really interesting sounding UFO. Yeah, that might be a V-twin UFO. <laughs> Let's talk about Earth Mysteries. We have a bunch. We did share some oddities in a previous episode, and we're going to try not to overlap them. And we're going to try to get through these without huge, long explanations, because, again, we're not experts. But we're just trying to bring you the information. Maybe there's something in here you haven't heard about. And a lot of you from other countries, you might know of things that we don't know about. Maybe, you know, everyone's got their local lore legends or lore and you know there's an unusual cave or there's something that's been in your history for a long time that we would love to know about if yeah. you'd like to send that to us shoot us an email at to the spirit pod at gmail.com and we would be happy to share that lore or that legend with our listeners yeah don't be shy yeah <laughs> so i think the first and most obvious thing when you think about earth mysteries is crop circles or seriology and in its simplest form, a crop circle consists of a single circle, which all the corn stems are flattened to the ground, but not broken, simply bent at their base. Often the circle has an outer ring, which stems are also bent, but almost invariably in the opposite direction to those within the remainder of the circle. And sometimes the circle is surrounded by an equidistant series of much smaller circles or satellites that may or may not be linked to the principal circle by channel. Other circles may contain narrow rings of unbent stems sandwiched between the main body of the circle. This sounds crazy to try to explain it like this, but we all know what crop circles are. Yeah. I, I think most people have seen a crop circle. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to think about that because a lot of them have been man-made. They found people out there stomping around, though that's impressive in itself. Yeah, I think that they're amazing anyways. Like if anyone is making them, I'm glad that they're making them because I think they're really cool. There was a video a long time ago and the... I don't know if it ended up being proven that it was a fake, but there was like lights going around this field and then they saw it on video, like two lights swirling around and then there was a crop circle. Crop circle. Oh. But I don't know if it was a fake one or not. I just remember it was just, it was a huge, when crop circles were getting really big, yeah. like in the 90s. Um, it was a huge deal? It was because it was like, could this be a fake or not? And I never heard later if it was, but it was like a unique uh, video, but we don't know if anyone edited something right you know to, to make it look that way but well we know that linda moulton howe is big time into that and she's yeah. done a lot of research and she's been on site with that and she claims that they're real a lot of them are real they have an energy to them if you walk within that circle it's kind of like going into stonehenge mm -hmm. i guess you get this energy this feeling maybe i think that's why some people have and you know in the ancient past have built these monuments in those places because they feel different right what they call ley lines or whatever. Exactly. And we'll get into that in a yeah. little bit because you're very much so right with a lot of these things are built on ley lines because the ancients knew something. They knew. So do the animals, though. I think the animals are more in tune to that because they know when to go south, they know when to go north for certain times, and they're driven by it and they pick up on the electromagnet. There was a friend of mine that his father used to serve in the military and he was an uh, army brat. He was stationed in England. And somewhere within that area, there was a field. And this field, there was like a circular looking type of nest. The way the rocks were set up or whatever was set up around maybe the trees, it was open in the middle, like a circle. And he said that no animal would enter that circle and no bird would fly through that circle. They would actually fly around the circle wow. that was cleared. And he never understood it. He didn't know why. He was a kid. It was a man-made circle or a natural circle? It was, I don't know. I'm assuming it was a natural circle. Then it must have had some sort of magnetics or something going on because the animals would not enter that. And the well, just the fact that it's shaped and nothing else, you know, like you can obviously see a circle, 
Yeah. So how did that get there? And why is it that shape? Is there energy coming up, creating this kind of physical manifestation? I don't know. Like radiation would just burn stuff off. Exactly. You know, like, you know, like I'm trying to look at it that way, more of a natural, because obviously those magnetic energies are part of our natural yeah, makeup of are, the earth or whatever. But do they usually admit that much to where animals avoid it? There must yeah, be something know. in there that's dangerous if they're flying around it. There are some places I've been to, and all of a sudden you notice, hey, I don't hear any birds. And you don't know why. You're like, why don't I hear any birds? Why is there nothing around here? Why is it so dead and quiet? And then some areas are just very lively. You just hear them a lot. So I don't know. Another big earth mystery, Bermuda Triangle. This is the story I loved as a kid. I was obsessed with it. There was enough TV shows about it, too, at the time. So I... there, there were, and it was something fascinating. There are many theories on this, and I'm just going to run through quickly the theories. Okay. So whether or not it's a phenomenon of paranormal nature taking place, there's been a matter of debate. Some people think that it is a vortice. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomena where your mechanical and instruments malfunction and mysterious disappearances were the result of what were called vile vortices. Another is a magnetic variation, and this theory is proposed by the Coast Guard over 30 years ago. The majority of disappearances can be attributed to the area's unique environmental features. First, the Devil's Triangle is one of the two places on Earth that a magnetic compass does point towards true north. Normally, it points towards magnetic north. The difference between the two is known as a compass variation. So, kind of weird. Yeah. Space-time warp is another theory. It's been suggested from time to time that there's a rift in space-time that opened up in the Bermuda Triangle and that planes and ships that are unlucky enough to be traveling in that area at the time are lost in it. And that's why it's said that often utterly no trace of the craft, not even wreckage, is ever found. Another theory is electronic fog. And electronic fog is responsible for many of the unexplained incidents and disappearances in the infamous Bermuda Triangle. Is it? I don't know. That's the assertion made by Rob McGregor and Bruce Gernon in their first book, The Fog. Gernon himself is a first-hand witness and survivor of the strange phenomenon. On December 4th of 1970, he and his dad were flying their Bonanza A36 over the Bahamas en route to Bimini, and they encountered a strange cloud phenomena, a tunnel-shaped vortex, the sides of which the plane's wings scraped as they flew. Now, all the plane's electronics and magnetic navigational instruments malfunctioned, and the magnetic compass spun inexplicably. And as they neared the end of the tunnel, they expected to see a clear blue sky. Instead, they saw only a dull grayish white for miles. No ocean, no sky, or horizon. And after flying for 34 minutes, a time corroborated by every clock on board, they found themselves over Miami Beach, a flight that normally would have taken 75 minutes. So they believed that this electronic fog that they experienced was responsible for the famous disappearance of Flight 19 and the vanishing aircraft and ships. Another one is UFOs. When in doubt, blame aliens and their flying saucers, <laughs> right? And then the other is Atlantis. When the UFO theory doesn't work, try Atlantis. One of the postulated locations for the legendary island of Atlantis is in the area of the Bermuda Triangle. Some believe that the Atlanteans were a civilization that had developed amazing advanced technology and that somehow remnants of it might still be active somewhere in the ocean floor. This technology, they say, might interfere with the instrumentation of modern ships and planes, causing them to sink and crash. Proponents of this idea cite the so-called Bimini Road rock formations in the area as evidence. 
Yet there seems to be no evidence for the advanced technology, except perhaps for the incredible claim of a discovery made by Dr. Ray Brown in 1970 while scuba diving. He was scuba diving near the very islands of the Bahamas, and he said he came upon a pyramid-like structure with a smooth mirror-like stone finish. Swimming inside, he found the interior to be completely free of coral and algae, and it was illuminated by some unknown light source. And in the center was a sculpture of human hands holding a four-inch crystal sphere above which was suspended in a red gem at the end of a brass rod. That sounds very Indiana Jones-like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another is a Souls of Slaves. The Bermuda Triangle's deaths and disappearances are the consequences of a curse. And that was theorized by Dr. Kenneth McCall of Brook Lindhurst in England. And he believed the area may be haunted by the spirits of the many African slaves who had been thrown overboard on their voyage to America. So the slaves are taken, I guess. And then there's the methane gas hydrates. One of the most interesting scientific theories for the disappearance of ships in the Triangle was proposed by Dr. Richard McLaver. McLever? MacGyver. McGruber. An American geochemist. And, uh, well, we'll just get to it. He, he says that methane was bubbling up from the sea sediments on the ocean floor, and it caused ships to just disappear. Landslides on the ocean floor can release vast amounts of the gas, which would be disastrous because it would significantly reduce the density of water, and this would make any ship floating above sink like a rock. But that doesn't make sense for the planes then there, buddy, McGruber. Yeah, there was a teacher uh, in school that I was really big into all this in junior high school time period. I was reading constant books about it. Anytime it was on the Bermuda Triangle on TV... All the kids would bring it up, you know, in class. So when we were in class, we would talk about the Bermuda Triangle, especially if it was on TV and all the kids would, like, do a discussion. And the teacher at the time kind of poo-pooed it. It's like, oh, it's just a storm. It's just a stormy area. I flew through it. It's just like a little bit of turbulence. I'm like, there's so many people lost (laughs) in that area. He was trying to make it sound like it was nothing mysterious. Was he trying not to scare the kiddies? I don't know. I just think he just looked at it as like, oh, it's nothing like, no, people dying and ships disappearing and planes falling out of the sky in a place, and, certain and place. And your compass spinning. Time. Yeah, I know the compass spinning. Like, <laughs> if I had a compass right now and it was spinning, I'd probably uh, freak out a little bit. I'm like, uh. You're like, what's going on? There's something strange happening. <laughs> Perhaps all of the disappearance, malfunctions, and accidents are no mystery at all. According to the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle, a check of Lloyd of London's accidents records by the editor of Fate magazine in 1975 showed that the triangle was no more dangerous than any part of the ocean. Kind of like your teacher said. U.S. Coast Guard records confirm this, and ever since that time, no good arguments have ever been made to refute those statistics. Even though the Bermuda Triangle isn't a true mystery, this region of the sea certainly has had its share of marine tragedy. This region is one of the heaviest traveled areas in the ocean of the world. With this much activity in a relatively small region, it isn't surprising that a large number of accidents occur. (laughs) So you have a lot of theories there. I I think I covered the gamut on that, huh? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what to think about the area. I think it's a unique area. Since you're talking about, you know, vortices, in Sedona, Arizona, there's a vortex. So people go there because they experience really unique thing just by standing in this area. Sedona vortexes are thought to be swirling centers of energy that are conductive to healing, meditation, and self-exploration. These are places where the earth seems especially alive with energy. Many people feel inspired, recharged, or uplifted after visiting a vortex. Probably not 
like the Bermuda Triangle. People are scared right. of that place. It's kind right. of turbulent, but... Sedona's supposed to be healing. Although all of Sedona is considered to be a vortex, there are specific sites where the energy crackles most intensely. The four best-known Sedona vortexes are found at Airport Mesa, Cathedral Rock, Bell Rock, and Boynton Canyon, each radiating its own particular energy. Some are thought to produce energy flowing upward, while others, the energy spirals downward entering the earth. Don't be surprised to find people doing meditation, yoga, performing their own rituals at a vortex site. Would you go there, Stephanie? I actually would. I would love, because they said that it has a healing effect, and I would like to experience that. But what if there's like a missing 411 effect? Well, I don't know what else (laughs) to say about that. I mean, you can be missing anywhere, I guess. That really intrigues me a lot because I I do notice throughout my life, certain places have a feel to me. And when you enter into a house or you enter into a building, they just all have different feels. And different cities and towns have that feel too. To me, nature in general has a very relaxing effect on me. So I love being outside. I love going for walks, doing any activity outside. It's very, very healing for me in a lot of ways. If they're feeling this energy even more intensely. I would like to know what that's like. So yeah. I would I would definitely go. I mean, maybe I'd join you on that little journey. I think it would be awesome. I've, I've never been to the deserts out west or canyons. On a horse with no name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another mysterious thing. Now, I don't know if this is so much an earth thing or a sky thing or what it is, but it, it ranges in the category of mysterious earth, and that is cattle mutilations. And speaking of cattle mutilations, we won't go deep into this subject, but I will say that this is an article from April 20th of this year, and it is stating that there's a mysterious series of cattle mutilations in Oregon, and they continue to stump investigators. New details have emerged concerning a series of mysterious cattle mutilations that occurred in Oregon early this year, and they had left the authorities scratching their heads. The spate of puzzling slayings first made news back in March when the Crook County Sheriff's Office issued a press release cautioning residents about their curious incidents and indicating that an investigation was underway. Although the bulletin was rather short on specifics, aside from the tantalizing observation that the cause of these cattle deaths were not natural, quote unquote. Details surrounding the puzzling string of cases has finally come to light. According to a local media report, the strangest started in February 27th, that's the day after my birthday, when a rancher discovered that one of his cattle had perished under perplexing circumstances, wherein uh, parts of his body had been removed with what appeared to be surgical precision, and creatures that normally would scavenge the body refused to touch it. Six days later, authorities were called out to a different ranch, where another cow had been killed under the same suspicious circumstances. And in this instance, investigators noted that the unfortunate animal appeared to have a patch of hair removed and may have been injected with a needle. Now, this series continued on to March 6th when a third ranch, another cow, was killed in a manner that appeared to match the previous two cases. Finally, the unfortunate rancher who lost his cow in the second incident phoned police to report that he'd lost another animal to whatever was behind these killings. And once again, the creature's body parts were removed with remarkably clean cuts that were not in keeping with natural predator. And in this instance, an experienced veterinarian who had performed post-mortem examinations on dead cattle agreed with the investigators that something seemed amiss about the way in which this animal had perished. So as of now, authorities in Crook County had no answers as to what could be behind the separate but seemingly connected cattle mutilation cases. Quote, we are not speculating on how these are happening. Of course not, because you don't know. <laughs> but Sheriff John Gutney says, 
as we try to keep an open mind and look at all possibilities, one avenue which may be explored by investigators that was unavailable to cattle mutilation researchers in the past is to possibly obtain a search warrant for cell phone activity from when and where the incidents occur. Samples from the downed animals are also being tested in the hopes that they could provide some kind of clue as to what led to the creature's demise. So why are they looking for the cell phone they're trying anything just to figure out who's going in there. They found, obviously... Because if they can get phone activity from a certain spot, they yeah. can know real people were there. Obviously, these are three different ranches. You've got... They're all in Oregon? Yeah. yeah. I wonder why. That's To me, it's very, very perplexing because there's animals everywhere. Why is it not your dogs and your cats yeah. that are getting it? Why is it always or cattle? Or like sheeps or llama or... Yeah, sheeps. Sheep or llama. <laughs> Deers. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it just seems like, you know, I've never, like, come across a dead bird. Like, dead birds is probably the one animal I've probably seen the most besides animals that are hit by cars. And it's not like I looked at him like, wow, there's precision laser. <laughs> yeah, and no other animal's going to scavenge on that. I mean, come on, that's a whole cow. I know. You're going to think some kind of coyote, some kind of wolf, something's going to go in there mm -hmm. and tear it up. It's very bizarre. And it, to reference Linda Moulton Howe again, she always talks about that phenomenon always associated with this black helicopter stuff. Oh. And it seems like a lot of the ranchers would see these military-type black helicopters flying around That's so messed at the up, same time. though, if this is government stuff. It is. It's very bizarre. It's more scary in a way. And it's definitely <laughs> a mystery because no one's been able to solve this whatsoever. Right. And the, the ones that try to explain it in a natural way, like, oh, that looks like that because... The animals are, it's, they're trying to say that animals did it. But when, when certain things are removed, like genitalia and things like that, why? I mean, when wolves eat something, yeah, they go for the liver right. first, you know, at least the top Iron-packed liver. Yeah, because that, that's the most nutrient-dense thing. And then they go for the other stuff later, and they possibly can't eat all of that. Right. They might try to go back to it for, you know, some time. So it's just weird. It's just so weird. It is. Did you ever hear of the stone spheres in Costa Rica? They look so, like they've been carved out perfect. Yeah. Like, they're so smooth. Like, you could just run your hand And they're them. old, so it's like the fact that they still look pretty good. But yeah. there are several layers of mystery surrounding these more than 300 spherical stones, or as the locals would have it, balls, <laughs> found, <laughs> found in three World Heritage listed sites, specifically who, where, and why. Little is known of the pre-Columbian it's uh, Dickwees people. It's like the Dickey or Dickwees or D I don't know. It's D I Q U I S. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, just that. Just call them daiquiris. We'll Daiquiri make people. It a day. <laughs> Whose culture was lost after the Spanish conquest of Costa Rica? Most of the stones were moved and many damaged in agricultural clearing in the 1930s. So I'm thinking they need the land for something. They're clearing the land, like just throwing these big stones somewhere. Like get this out of the way. So it's hard to determine their original locations and alignment. That's an important thing when you think about it. It could have had an original alignment for a purpose. Those stones that remain on their original site seem to be placed in lines pointing towards certain locations. But any theories about their original significance remain speculative. Well, that ties in with the animals encased in stone in 1821. There was a stonemason named David Virtue who made an astonishing discovery while working on a large chunk of rock. And it was about 22 feet below the surface. Upon breaking it open, he found a lizard embedded in the stone. It was coiled up in a round cavity of its own form. Being an exact impression of the animal, 
It was about an inch and a quarter long, brownish yellow color, had a round head, bright sparkling projecting eyes. It was apparently dead, but after being about five minutes exposed to the air, it showed signs of life. Wow. It soon ran about with much celerity. Now, there are numerous documented accounts of such findings, mostly involving frogs, toads, and lizards. Most often the animals come out alive, and very often there's an imprint of their skin in the shape of the cavity in which they are entombed. And this raises a number of interesting questions. How could the animals have gotten in there and survived? And how did the rock, which geology tells us takes hundreds, if not thousands of years to form, take shape around the animal? How long could the animal have been in there? I've heard about animals that can, like, kind of reanimate after being, like, in a deep hibernation. And, and there's a lot of animals that can... After thousands of years? I know. That's so... It's amazing. Well, I know I heard of a story of uh, a family that had a pet turtle, and they left to go somewhere. And when they got home, the turtle was gone. And they searched and searched and searched. Forty years later, they were cleaning out the garage to their house, and it was back there, and it was alive. <gasps> And well, like, they live a long time, but... Yes, but they weren't garage. feeding it, yeah. so they, they thought, how the heck is he getting water and food? Yeah. And they can shut down their systems when, they're, when they have to, to survive, and... Well, for 40 years? 40 years. That's amazing. Yeah. It sounds like that's the most amazing story I've heard about an animal, but even uh, I watched a nature show where they showed how, like, frogs, right? They literally will freeze right in the ice. And then they come back live Yeah, I, I mean, I know those cold-blooded creatures are more, you know, they grow legs back and arms back. And, and it's kind of like octopus, octopi, octopuses, octopuses. <laughs> <laughs> you cut off a leg, it grows back. These are strange. was cool never heard of this Hesdalen lights of norway hmm. so just take a look at what someone took in their oh, photo wow, that looks very laser like um like a rave <laughs> yeah i don't know like if that was moving and someone maybe someone took that slow like when you take a photo at that slow speed and it will leave a trail i don't know if that's probably that because they have to adjust the exposure on that yeah but it's still beautiful there's like colors and they look like rods almost like flames or rods in their orange, yellow, green, and blue. Mm -hmm. And then way up in the sky, you see the streak. Like you took a laser light and could write in the sky, but it stayed there. Looks like a natural rave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God's giving us a rave. Researchers can at least touch, examine, measure, and revisit monolith sculptures in stone spheres, even if they remain mysterious. They can't do the same with the as-yet-unexplained eerie lights that appear periodically in the Norwegian Hesdalen Valley. Sightings of unusual colorful moving lights in the night sky were already reported a century ago, possibly even earlier, but reports peaked in the 1980s. Since then, Project Hestalen has been monitoring the lights, and since 1998, an automatic measurement station, it's called AMS, has been documenting occurrences, capturing photographic evidence, and trying to find scientific explanations. 
The fact that almost 20 years later they still haven't arrived at a satisfactory conclusion is all the proof some UFO theorists need that extraterrestrial activity is to be blamed. What about the unexplained hum stuff? Citizens in Britain and portions of the southwestern U.S. had been complaining about a maddening hum that just won't go away, and researchers have been unable to pinpoint its source. Not everyone can hear the low-pitched hum, and those who do say it seems artificial in nature and is driving them crazy. In 1977, a British newspaper received nearly 800 letters from people complaining of loss of sleep, irritability, deteriorating health, inability to read or study because of the incessant hum. Most famous in the U.S. was the Taos hum. Was that New Mexico? Yeah, and it was acute for the hearers. They banded together in 1993 and they petitioned Congress to investigate and help them find the source of the noise. No conclusive causes were discovered. One prevailing theory holds that the hum is created by a military communication system used to contact submarines. Hmm. There used to be uh, big power lines near where I used to live, and you'd hear a hum coming off of them. But it, it wasn't irritating, and it had, a, like, a certain distance away from it, you wouldn't hear it anymore. And I used to always be scared because my mom would be like, don't go near the power lines, you're going to yeah. get cancer. <laughs> <laughs> or something. You know, there's people that, when they climb those, they said the amalgams in their teeth melt right out of their heads. Oh, nice. I'm like, that can't be safe at all, like, to anybody, like... Well, neither is all this uh, Wi-Fi and 4G and 5G. I'm sure it's all bad. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> guessing that it's probably having an effect on us and we're just not noticing it. But but you have all those weird, I think it was like in 2012-ish time when all of these strange sounds were happening. Do you remember this? All around the world. The trumpet noises yes, and the yes. weird metal like squeaky noises. It was for sure rapture-like sounds that were happening. Some sounded like horns coming from the heavens. Yeah. And uh, some sounded very industrial and screaming. Yeah. Uh, I know, again, Linda Moulton. Boy, she's just something, isn't she's she? She's popping up. She's, she's got to come on our oh, show. Yeah, Linda, <laughs> if you'd like to come on our show. <laughs> she kept immaculate records of that, and I found it fascinating. I got sucked into that like you did with the Bermuda Triangle, so... I just want to know, where's it coming from? A lot of theories were saying, oh, it's seismic activity. It's coming from within the earth. Yet you could hear it above in the sky, almost like it was coming from the heavens. So I'm not sure what to think about that. But there was something I came across that may relate to that. The mysterious origin of skyquakes. Nature's stubborn. It's so problematic that <laughs> with all our skills and technology, we are yet to fully understand it. And more mysteries will unravel. For those in the dark... Skyquakes are a series of unexplained sounds similar to thunder. So yeah, cannon fire or sonic booms that usually occur in the sky. Mysterious quakes have always been described as loud thunder that occasionally produce shock waves that rattle glasses and windows all in a cloudless sky. This strange phenomenon has been reported in several parts of the world, North and South Carolina, Oklahoma, and even the United Kingdom with scientists on the fence. Conspiracy theorists are having a field day claiming the sound is to be of extraterrestrial in nature and its origins are still unknown. Hmm. So, skyquakes. Never knew about that. Something we all learned about today in skyquakes. <laughs> like, I never learned about ball lightning in school, but I learned about it by seeing it one time. And there was definitely, like, some change in the atmosphere. Like, there was a storm coming, but it didn't really happen. It just seemed like it lingered, like it was going to, then it didn't. And all of a sudden... I was uh, looking out my front door with my friend. We could see this orangey, it kind of looked like a sunset type color, okay. but it was forming into a ball. We're like, what are we looking at? And it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden it went kaboom and just like 
We ran well, what the to the other end of that? our house. Ball lightning. Oh, okay. I've never witnessed ball uh, lightning. There was a thunder. Yeah, there was like a thunder with it afterwards. It, it sounded like an explosion. And we're like, wow. And then my dad's like, yeah, that's ball lightning. I was freaked out. <laughs> I would have been too. So this is similar to the stones I was talking about, or the spheres. Plane of jars in Laos. Except they don't look like jars to me, if you take a look. Oh. They look big. No, they, they're scary. Like, snakes live in there. They look <laughs> they look almost natural, but then they're not. They kind of look like wells. They don't know what they were used for. Excavations and research on this vast plain dotted with 3,000 or more giant megalithic stone jars have been hampered by the threat of exploded cluster bomb. So I think during the Vietnam era wars or whatever they had bombs in the ground. They are still trying to find all of those. A first theory that the jars up to three meters in diameter, which that's big, maybe Iron Age burial or cremation pods. Oh, that was a theory formed in the 1930s. Even though recent research, part of an ongoing five-year project, seems to at least support the notion that the site served as a burial place. The precise function of the jars is the scenario remains unknown. However, extensive bomb clearing has made the plane of jars a lot safer. Now, when I was in England, I went to Cornwall, and it was right on the ocean, and there was nice bike paths and all these really nice coastal areas. It's very beautiful, and there was one site that was a historical site that my brothers and I got to walk through, and they found jars there, and they were burial jars. So maybe same thing, same idea. Let's talk a little bit about ley line stuff. Since we did bring that up at the beginning of the show, I would be remiss if we didn't speak a little bit about it. Now, we know that you had spoken about that wonderful place, the Coral Castle, and how much you love that. That was believed to run along ley lines and that he used that energy to form the Coral Castle or to build the Coral Castle. So what do we know about ley lines? It's opened up a world of spiritual and supernatural beliefs to those that do believe in ley lines, the concept is quite simple. Ley lines are lines that crisscross around the globe, like latitude and longitude lines. And they're dotted with monuments and natural landforms. And they carry along with them rivers of supernatural energy. Along these lines at the places they intersect, there are pockets of concentrated energy that can be harnessed by certain individuals. So you can see why there are some skeptics. But Watkins in this article backed up the existence of ley lines by pointing out that many monuments around the globe seemingly be connected by straight line. For example, stretching from the southern tip of Ireland all the way to Israel, there's a straight line that connects seven different landforms that bears the name St. Michael. We talked about that before. And then as for the supernatural component, the ley lines mystery deepens when it's revealed that what they connect along the ley lines lie the Great Pyramids of Giza, the Chichen Itza, and Stonehenge, all wonders of the world that continue to surprise archaeologists today. Perhaps their presence on the ley lines near to the so-called energy pockets could explain their inceptions, all of which defied laws of architecture. Though the lines are geographically accurate on occasion, the existence of those ley lines has been contested almost since uh, Watkins had made his observation, and one researcher, Paul Devereaux, claimed that the concept was bogus. There was no way that they could exist... And then a reference to them in an occult book is the only reason that supernaturalists believe in them. Many people have drawn their own ley lines just to prove how coincidental they can be, connecting everything from pizza restaurants to movie theaters to churches on maps. And regardless of their validity, the concept of ley lines has captivated many people in the supernatural and science fiction for years. 
and they often appear as explanation for paranormal events or explanations of the fantastic monuments in science fiction movies or novels. I've heard many a story about paranormal situations that were based on land lines, houses that laid within these ley lines, the energy. I believe in portals, and I believe that those portals need to be powered by some kind of energy. And wouldn't that energy come from possibly a ley line or possibly some granite or limestone or water that's charging it up? So I'm not as skeptical. I do believe that the earth has its own energy lines. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that they could really discover this scientifically because there's electromagnetic energy. It exists. Our uh, compasses wouldn't be pointing north or whatever if there wasn't. You know, there's exactly. a, there's poles here and there. There's energy in the air. And there's a lot more mysteries. Science is wonderful, but they always seem like they always have the answer. And then years down the road, they change their... Well, they're very boxed in with their beliefs. And yeah, it's like if they can't touch it, feel it, see it. You know, they, yeah. they have to have some sort of proof without them thinking that... It makes sense that if a human body has chakras or energy points throughout a body, why wouldn't Mother Earth have chakras throughout the ley lines? Latitude and longitude. Yeah, our belly buttons is where the equator is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Speaking of... Belly buttons? No, not belly buttons. (laughs) Speaking of portals, did you know that there are seven gates of hell on Earth? I believe it. (laughs) And seven seems like one of those numbers, too, like... Like, it's one of those funny numbers. So one of them is in Turkey. And I'll tell you about that. Ancient Roman gate to hell, which was believed to be passage into the underworld in southwestern Turkey, will be open to visitors on September. Anyone want to go oh, to the gates yay. of hell? <laughs> Come on, Mom, pack a lunch. We're going to the gates of hell. <laughs> the gate, which was named Plutonium after the god of the underworld, Pluto, or Hades, was unearthed in the ancient site of Heropolis Pamukkale. Good job. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Greeks. No, you're doing okay. great. You're better than me in my Spanish. <laughs> Which is also famous with its travertines and on the UNESCO World Heritage List. Located in the province of Denizli. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this extraordinary landscape was a focus of interest for visitors to the nearby Hellenistic spa town of Heropolis. Founded by the Attalid kings of Pergamum in the end of the 2nd century BC at the site of an ancient cult. Its hot springs were also used for scouring and drying wool, according to the UNESCO website. Its thermal springs were believed to have great healing powers. Ceded to Rome in 133 BC, Heropolis flourished, reaching its peak of importance in the 2nd and 3rd centuries AD having been destroyed by an earthquake in 60 A.D. and rebuilt. Remains of the Greco-Roman period include baths, temple ruins, a monumental ark, a necropolis, and a theater. Following the acceptance of Christianity by the Emperor Constantine and his establishment of Constantinople as the New Rome in 330 A.D., the town was made a bishopric as the place of St. Philip's martyrdom in 80 A.D. Okay, hold on a second here. Yeah, let's get into the meat and the potatoes of hell. Toxic gas. Yes. However, scientists have provided an explanation for the mystery because I guess people, they thought it was the gates of hell because if people went in there, they would die. Animals would die. There was a toxic gas. Of course. And I don't know how much people knew of toxic gases back then. Obviously, they they didn't have those, uh, (laughs) those instrumentations to read the oxygen levels. 
in February showed that a fissure in the Earth's surface deep inside the site emits carbon dioxide at concentrations so high it can be deadly. Even in winter months, we've seen some birds that fly too close over the gas and they suffocate and die. And there's seven other locations. You know, they're not all in Europe or whatever. They're throughout the world, but they... So they, is it the same concept, it, though, in these other locations? Like they're all gaseous under Earth type of things? I don't, I'm not sure. I didn't read too much on it. I just was trying to find, like, the most written one about, which was right, that one. Right, But... No, that's I interesting. Cool. I, I did see something on television where they tried to go in there, but, I mean, even getting close to the hole or the entrance was dangerous because of the gas that was emitting from there. Another mystery takes place in Ohio. Do you know what, what that is, Steph? Oh, is it the um, the mounds? The serpent mounds. Yes. This is, to me, like, so fascinating. It is. Now, this is lying out in rural Adams County in Ohio, in the United States. And it's overlooking Bush Creek. And it's a mound of earth jutting out of land, winding an unmistakable image of a snake for a full 1,348 feet and averaging 3.9 to 4.9 feet in height. And it comes complete with an open mouth, head, and coiled tail, earning its nickname, the Serpent Mound. It is what it is called, uh, an effigy mound, a type of earthen mound created in the shape of an animal. And it's the largest known such mound in the world, made all the more mysterious of the fact that it curiously lies along the impact crater of some ancient meteor strike. First excavated in the late 1800s, we know no more about it now than we did then. So origins and its purpose is unclear. And so the Serpent Mound has managed to attract many mysterious stories to it. One of those being that all the giant skeletons that have apparently been found there. While the exact origins and the age of the mound are somewhat shrouded in mystery, the Serpent Mound is generally accepted to have been built by what is now called the Early Woodland Adena Culture, which existed in the area from between 500 BC to 200 AD. That's old. Yeah. That's old. And the structure most likely dating to about 300 BC. One idea is that it was created for some sort of mortuary purposes. And although the mound itself does not contain any remains, there are numerous smaller burial mounds peppering the area around it. It is thought that the serpent might have been constructed as a sort of protector of the graves or a beacon to guide lost souls. This makes sense, as serpents and snakes were often depicted by native people as having magical or supernatural powers. I know our friend uh, Maggie would love this place. You know, she just loves snakes. <laughs> I want to thank one of our listeners for that. I just want to thank Barbie. She's one of our oldest and dearest friends, and she mentioned to Becky about, you know, we should bring up the Serpent Mounds, and I totally forgot about it. I knew about them, but just it never came to mind, so I thought it was really great. She's been there, and I'm sorry I didn't do my extensive research because there is a lot involved there. Murdered bog men found with hair gel and manicured nails. What? <laughs> oh, this I one, I just re I just looked it up right now because I just remembered to look this up. So I'm going to be reading it without knowing how oh, this article that's fine. goes. But the reason why I say it is because there was a, was it America on Earth? Or what is that show that's on History Channel? Yeah, and something like that. So he goes down to Florida because they found bog men. And when they did their DNA, they were not Native American, and they are old, 7,000 years old. With hair gel. Yeah, they must have. And manicured nails. And they were perfectly preserved. They were able to get their DNA. I mean, they had everything. They're, you know how, like, bogs, they, have to, they really do preserve people. This is very controversial, too, because uh, Native Americans want to claim, you know, it changes history here. 
There's a lot of things that have remained hidden about it also. 7,000-year-old Native American bog burial found off the coast of Florida. Experts have identified the remains of at least six individuals and suspect there are many more bodies to be found. Thousands of years ago, ancestors of Florida's indigenous people buried their dead in shallow bottom ponds. As sea levels rose, these watery graveyards were submerged by the Gulf of Mexico. But as Megan Gannon reports for National Geographic, the Florida Department of State announced last week that it has unearthed an early archaic Native American burial ground off the coast of Minnesota Key. Archaeologists have thus far identified the remains of six individuals, but they suspect that many more bodies may lie beneath the seafloor. The groundbreaking discovery was made in 2016 by a diver who was searching for prehistoric shark teeth, a popular pastime off the, on the <laughs> Gulf beaches around Venice, Florida. But instead of shark teeth, the diver found a jawbone with a molar still attached. He brought the relic to the attention of Florida's Bureau of Archaeological Research, which confirmed that the jawbone had come from a human. I would suggest people watch, is it America on Earth? Is that the um, the show? That sounds right. Because they interviewed definite official people, and one of them said that this is extremely controversial because they're not, when they did the DNA testing, they're calling them Native American in this article. But they're not. But they're not. And they're not allowed to really talk about it because mm. it's changing history. And this is what happens a lot. You know, new discoveries are made in science, and why is it that the people don't want to tell the truth? It is a touchy subject because, you know, when you have a certain history laid out, you know, not that I don't think anyone's trying to take anything away from the Native Americans, but, you know, you want to have your own yeah. <laughs> identity yeah. and think you were the first peoples here and that it's clear evidence that there's been others that have come here. As you can tell by the UFO highway yeah. <laughs> behind us. There is so many Earth mysteries that we could literally do another show. Yeah. And I'm going to share a couple more, and then we're probably going to sign off. So one that I thought was very beautiful and fascinating was the Devil's Bridge. Have you heard of this? And this was in Cromelow, Germany. There's multiple places around the world that have been named Devil's Bridge (laughs) due to some sort of supernatural connection. But the most famous one is in the German town of Cromelow. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. It dates back to the 1860s and is one of the most stunning bridges in the world. It forms a perfect circle with its own reflection in the water below. And that's a feat that's only deemed possible with some kind of otherworldly existence. And I'm just going to show you the picture of this beautiful bridge. Oh, yes. I did find this one. Yeah, it looks like... um, Perfect circle. Perfect circle because of the reflection of the water. It's beautiful, too. It's between these two forests. You've got the Crooked Forest in Poland. Yes. Do they have an explanation for that one? uh, Well, they were saying that there were several hundred pine trees that were planted there in the 1930s, and they grew with almost a 90-degree bend in their base, making them look like fish hooks. (laughs) And some believe a technique or a human tool was actually used to make the trees curve this way. But others speculate that a winter snowstorm or other damage could have given this. They tape a cabbage roll to to the side of the tree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's also the Blood Falls in Antarctica. Yes, I saw that one. And that's quite interesting, but it's just basically oxidizing or rustation. Yeah, iron. Yeah. Yeah, iron but release. it looks very much like blood. It does, and it's kind of weirdly beautiful. There's the Great Blue Hole in Belize. Yes. Um, there's the pyramids that we didn't even touch upon. The Island of Dolls in Mexico City, Mexico. So, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. The research for this has been fun, but there's just so much that... We'd really have to get into the studies to cover it all. Well, friends, that's 
that's the show for today. Thanks for listening. We always ask you guys to leave us a review on Apple or to shoot us an email. And I'm not going to do that because today I'm going to ask if you could just tell a friend about our podcast or if you could go on to Twitter and just at spirit underscore pod, give us a shout out and just tweet at us. If you can put a tweet out there and mention us, that would be great. We'll mention you and thank you in our next show. We just want to get the word out. We're not actively marketing or advertising. So this is just a way to spread the paranormal love, the paranormal unity, the para-unity. But if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us at tothespiritpod at gmail.com. Please feel free to share a story with us. If you have questions, we're happy to answer them. I collect them up and usually we do a show and we try to include that in there. We'd love to hear your stories. I really would enjoy that because uh, just to listen to someone else's experience, see what they went through, what weird things they've seen, something that we haven't mentioned that you'd like you know, us to bring up would be great. And we cover all kinds of topics from healing to the metaphysical to the paranormal. We cover it all, and hopefully we should be getting some guests coming aboard soon. Um, It's been a little bit of a pause, I think maybe spring, I don't know what's going on now, but I had some cancellations and I apologize for that, but I'm going to try to make up for that and get some really good interviews booked, so hang tight for those coming in the future. And also, if you're in the mood for a foul-mouthed comedy, (laughs) head on (laughs) over to any of the platforms and go ahead and type in Umbrella Holics. That is our Umbrella podcast with Jason Wicks and ourselves. And we're just actually making fools of ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, listeners, for being a part of this. And if you do go looking for those seven gates of hell, make sure you don't light a cigarette. Bring, <laughs> bring a gas caves. mask. Bring a gas mask. <laughs> don't light any cigarettes. Bye, guys. Bye. To the spirit podcast. Supernatural science. Alien. I'm ghost. I'm ghost. I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic.